This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Danielle Laporte. Danielle is an entrepreneur, a social media sensation, an inspirational speaker, and the best-selling author of the Firestarter Sessions. With Sounds True, Danielle has created a new book called The Desire Map, a guide to creating goals with soul. She's also created a six-session audio learning course that takes you through the desire mapping process called the Desire Map Experience, as well as an audio program on bringing the desire map into every day of your life, an audio program called the Desire Map Daily. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Danielle and I spoke about how we can identify our core desired feelings and create what she calls goals with soul. We also talked about looking at the year in review, and how it can be helpful to ask what goals we didn't meet, as well as focusing on what happened for which we feel grateful. We also talked about desire in relationship with others, and how to navigate when our core desires don't match. Here's my conversation with Danielle Laporte. Right here at the beginning, Danielle, I'd love to know more about the genesis, the origins of the desire mapping process, and also how it works in a nutshell. How does it work? How do I create a desire map? Mm. Genesis. I cannot believe I can say this about anything in my life, but it is actually like a decade in the making, and it started on a New Year's Eve, and I wrote out my goals, my quote, now I talk about goals and quotes, right? My quote unquote goals. And they were pretty, they were, they were simple and they were, you know, they're fine. They're, they're decent aspirations. Pay off the credit card, new dining room table, get to Hawaii for family wedding. And I looked at my poster board of goals and was like, meh, I'm like so not inspired. And, and, and actually worse than not being inspired those goals actually felt like another to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I did not need, <laughs> I did not, as an entrepreneur and then a very new mom, I did not need another to-do list. And it was just a very simple act. I grabbed some magic markers and started writing, almost like as an act of defiance, um, some, like, what I thought were cooler words across my goals, like abundance and sexy and earth and natural and flow and I was just like oh, I can get down with that that's that's way more better and then I thought nothing of it so that was like year one and then it just kind of crept into my psyche like year two when I sat down to do my goals for the new year always you know by the fire New Year's Eve 
I thought about, hmm, what about those words again? And then it crept into a post-it note that I kept in my day timer for years. And I started asking myself, what am I going to do this year to feel this way? And then I started asking myself, what am I going to do this week to feel this way? And then I thought, ooh, I'm on to something because it was changing my, it was helping me loosen my grip around ambition, which I'd love to talk more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was feeling lighter, like a sense of lightness. I was feeling way more compassionate about um, what I was achieving, but more importantly, what I wasn't achieving. It, that g- it gave me just all this space for self-compassion around that. And then I started talking about it uh, when I was you know, doing speaking gigs and said, you know, there's something, I'm onto something here with this, this feelings, feelings first instead of your to-do, instead of your ambition list. And then people were coming, me, coming up to me after gigs saying, do you have a worksheet for that? I thought, mm, we're onto something. And I could see this, oh, this struggle, almost like turmoil for people around the whole concept of goal setting. And by then, so that brings us like year eight or nine. <laughs> by then, it like it had really seeped into my psyche, and I had I made these really ugly white binders, and I I created a system. And I called these desired feelings, your core desired feelings. And I gave it to a few dozen friends and said, you know, get back to me. Let me know if this works. And they all had that experience of the grip loosening. And just a real shift of focus. Uh, And I don't bust a move anymore without referencing my decision, my aspiration, uh, towards my core desired feelings. Now let's just clarify what you mean by that, core desired feelings. What are those, and how do I know what my core desired feelings are? Those are your preferred states of being. Those are... What they aren't is they're not, they're not the fleeting emotions that you're going to feel throughout the day. You're going to feel 900 feelings a day. These are a desired way of feeling and being that have probably been with you for a very long time. So I'll, let me, I'll use myself as, a, as an example. So my core desired feelings are I want to feel in communion. I want to feel um, creation. I want to feel Shakti, the divine feminine. I want to feel abundance. And I want to feel joy. And um, if I I look back on my childhood, if I look back on my 20s, those core desired feelings have been driving me for a long time. I mean, I can remember the longing to meet God when I was a little girl. I was a super religious kid and praying to hawks and fairies and the Virgin Mary. I just wanted communion. I just wanted communion. So that's been with me for a long time. So these are, um, they're deep, and they've been hovering. They're not fleeting. And you want me to talk now about how you get them? Sure. find them? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so it's deceptively simple in that it's a, it's a simplistic process 
or process, as we say here in Canada, uh, is simplistic, but it, it's you have to go deep to answer the question. So um, the broad brush version is this. Go through every area of your life, and I break this down into categories. You can call these categories whatever you like because this has got to resonate for you. So I break it down into relationships and society. So that's like your loverly relationships and your work relationships, community neighbors. And then there's um, wellness and body. It speaks for itself. There's creativity and learning. What are your hobbies? How do you learn? How do you want to educate yourself? Um, Then there's vocation, what I call livelihood. And that can be whatever you want it to be. That can be career, job, cash, money your lifestyle, the things you want to own, um, you know, the material possessions in your life, what you want to do for work in the world. And then at the center of, of all of that is your essence, what I call essence and spirituality. Call it whatever you want, your higher self, your original self, your soul. You're going to look at those areas of your life and you're going to ask yourself how you most want to feel in every area of your life. And my guidance around this is to not hold back, to let it be stream of consciousness. You can do this with the book. You can do it with a journal. You can do it while you're a walking meditation. You can do it in a weekend. Some people, it takes some months to get through this. And don't, like, you know, if you want to feel electric or spicy or red, go ahead, write it down. If you want to feel love, respect, vitality, connection, get all that down. And then the next step is, is all about pattern recognition. So you will see the same concepts, the same words and feelings coming up again and again. And I guarantee you that how you want to feel uh, within your vocation or when in terms of money is probably how you want to feel in your relationships as well. And how you want to feel in your body, ideally, is probably how you want to feel in terms of your creative expression. And then I, I, I nudge you. <laughs> I lovingly, strongly encourage you to narrow it down to three, maybe four or five core desired feelings. Uh, any more than that, I think it gets a little unwieldy. Personally, my brain cannot hold more than five desired feelings to focus on. And this is about focus. This is the power of focus here is about, um, you know, generating those feelings on a regular basis and and then you're going to attach those core desired feelings to some goals. So once you've made that declaration, hey, this is how I most want to feel in my life. And let me just pause and say this is an art, not a science. So play with the words, play with the concepts for a while. You, You don't have to be like, you know, don't don't feel... Don't let the creative tension of, do I want to feel joy or do I want to feel bliss? You know, don't, don't let that creative tension sort of hem you up from just going forward with a, with a desired feeling. And this is where the, the rubber really hits the road, which is you're going to go through all of those life areas again and you're going to ask yourself, what do you need to do or have or experience in all of those areas that's going to help generate those core desired feelings. 
So your answer may be things like, um, let's say one of your core desired feelings is energized. Okay, well, what do you need to do this year to feel energized? Maybe it's about committing to literally climb the mountain, or it's as simple as yoga twice a week, or you're going to break up, or you're going to quit the job, or you're going to sell the house. They can be very you know, small things or big, sweeping, life-changing things. And my guidance on the goal setting in relationship to your core desired feelings is, you know, and I prefer the language, you know, intentions, <laughs> um, is that really just focus on a few things for the year. I Personally, I don't plan further out in my life than like one or two years. Um, and I feel like time really is quickening. And I want to accomplish two or three great things a year instead of like ten, you know, good things. I want to hit it out of the park instead of decent. Mm-hmm. So I do, you know, for me it's it's three big things a year, max. Now, I can imagine from hearing your own core desired feelings and just imagining what some might be without going through the whole process, which I realize would clarify and bring some greater nuance, but I could see core desired feelings like flow, peace, balance. People may have different ones, turned on, you know, whatever whatever people might be. But probably nobody would put on their list, or I doubt it, as a core desired feeling, something like grief. And yet, and this is a question I have for you about this process, if something happens in our life and suddenly, you know, we lose someone very dear to us, maybe a child or a pet or a parent or a close friend, suddenly we're, we're so far away from these core desired feelings. We feel, you know, in grief, you, you just feel like a ball of numb Darkness. yuck. Yeah, super yuck. I mean, to use a technical way of describing it. Uh, <laughs> is so that ha- a Buddhist term? Yeah, super, super yuck. yuck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so my question is when, and it could be a different example, but I'm just trying to pick something that probably most of us can relate to, like grief, which seems you can't really avoid it, you can't get out of it, you didn't expect it, it wasn't part of your New Year's plan. What do you do when that happens and it just doesn't match anywhere with your core desired feelings? Mm, that's such a great question. I This isn't about feeling awesome all the time. This is about feeling whole. And wholeness includes grief. Wholeness includes your undesired feelings, your anything but core desired feelings, um, and this and where the spacious, spaciousness comes in is that you can be in the in the despair of grief and be conscious and awake enough to say, "This is not how I want to feel. I want to feel joy." I want to feel connection. And in that moment, it doesn't mean that you're negating the grief. It doesn't mean that, I mean, speaking specifically about grief, it doesn't mean that you're not going to let it wash you over like you need to with grief. But it means that you're going to see a way out. And you are, you're going to be able to still be with what's there for you that is, you know, the opposite of desirable. And know that you can be in another possibility. And, I mean, grief is a particular, um, particularly 
intense one. It's, that's why it's a good example. But let's say we're we're still in the grief. You'd be in that, and you could say, oh, you know, one of my core, my core desired feelings are deep purpose, joy, turned on vitality. What can I do today? What can I do just this morning while I'm lying in bed, seized with grief, to feel any number of those things? And maybe joy is a shower. Maybe joy is going to talk to your priest. But it's not staying in bed. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not believing that grief is the only option. That's for sure. You mentioned, Danielle, about how when you started working with matching your actions in the world with your core desired feelings, that it started to, quote-unquote, loosen this grip on ambition. Let's talk more about that. What do you mean by that? And ambition, is there such a thing as healthy ambition versus ambition that seems to take us away from our core desired feelings? I would have goals like want to go to Paris. And the year would have gone by and I didn't get to go to Paris. And, or, you know, I have another goal of um, I want to have this book done. And a year would, that year would have gone by and I didn't get the book done. But n- alongside of those, those, let's call external or physical goals, were my core desired feelings of wanting to feel in communion or divinely feminine. And I would look at my year and say, well, I'm still feeling a lot of divine femininity and a lot of joy and a lot of abundance, all those other things I want to feel. Because I, I went to New York four times this year and partied it up and did great business and hung out at the Met. So I got that feeling satiated. It just didn't come in the form of Paris. And I got the feel, you know, core desired feeling creation. So I may not have gotten the book done, but I launched, you know, three other online things. And that really fed, you know, my well, that longing for creativity. So, and I would have moments where I think, wow, I feel full. But my fullness, the fullness of my being internally is not matching up with the metrics (laughs) I had set out for myself that year. And that's where I just, I finally, like, tipped over. I was like, I'm still good. I'm happy. My internal state does not need to match that list that I made. And there was a moment of me realizing, wow, I'm happier than I've really been admitting to. (laughs) Because I'm hitting it in in terms of desired states of being. And... That led to the, to the revelation of healthy ambition. Let's say, I'm going to push this even further, I say healthy attachment, um, and that healthy attachment being to a preferred state of being, to a core desired feeling, allows you to stay open to what's, what life is going to bring to you or what you're going to manifest, however you want to look at that. So, you know, there's a good uh, romantic analogy around this. It's like, Maybe one of your core desired feelings is, let's just go with connection. And you meet someone who you feel, not only do you feel incredibly connected to them, but in their presence, 
in your dynamic together, in your in, the, in your chemistry, you actually feel more connected to the universe. And that's wonderful. And that's just how you wanted to feel with your perfect partner. Except they live they live across the country. They're about a foot shorter than you wanted. Um, they are they are of different faith. And you know maybe all of that doesn't matter because you get the feeling fulfilled. And in that way, you can be a yes. And the external packaging doesn't matter as much. And when the packaging doesn't matter as much, I think you know you double your chances of fulfillment. It's pretty good. Um, the odds are the odds are good. So here we are, and we're coming to the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, and we're talking really about the desire mapping process, in terms of how we might map, uh, as you call them goals with soul. But I'm curious, before we even get to what might happen in the year ahead, how might someone look over what has happened in this past year and evaluate it in a different kind of way? What would be a desire mapping way to evaluate the year that has come? Because if we look at what we did and didn't accomplish, of course, as you're saying, people might have all kinds of conclusions about the year that just passed. You know, all kinds of things happened that we didn't want to have happen potentially, or we didn't achieve this or that, or we said in the beginning of the year we were going to weigh X amount, and let's look at the facts. Here it is. It's the end of the year. So how do I look at the year that's passed here, that's just passed? Mm. Uh, well, with a heaping dose of gratitude, which also is sort of the preface to the whole desire mapping process as well. So you run yourself through gratitude in every area and dissatisfaction in every area. But I think that the the central question to the year in review practice is how did you feel? Not even did you you mean you, you could ask yourself, did you feel the way you wanted to feel? But I think there's a lot of judgment that would rise up in that and I think it's easy to just say yes or no. But I think, you know, look at the Look at the major events, the things you pulled off, the things you didn't pull off, and ask yourself how you felt. And you may be surprised, like when you give it some space, that you may have felt happier than you allowed yourself to like fully experience. There might be some empty successes in that. There may be great things you pulled off. And when you really look closely at it, you know, through the lens of your heart, you might say, wow, you know, I got that touchdown, I won the award, I got the fat check. Felt a little bit empty. Okay, so on the shadowy feelings, on the, on the not-so-positive feelings, how did you want to feel instead? I mean, that exercise alone could probably help throw a lot of light on what your core desired feelings might actually be. Um, but this, you know, this theme of empty successes I'm hearing a lot about now that I'm now that I'm on my soapbox about uh, desire and increasing your chances of feeling great and when you arrive uh, I'm hearing some really sobering stories of yeah you know I was at this awards banquet been working for years to get that trophy and I never felt so empty as I did that night and I realized that all I wanted 
was for my dad to look at me and tell me that he loved me. It was all to be loved. And had I known that it was all to be loved, maybe I would have gone after things, different things in a very different way. Now, one of the things you write about in the desire map in relationship to gratitude is that it can be helpful to be quite specific about what we're grateful for. And I wonder if you can talk about that. Why is that helpful? And how specific do I actually have to be as I'm reviewing (laughs) the year that just passed? I like these buttons on my... um, Well, I love, love, love gratitude. I'm I'm so turned on by the practice of gratitude. It is, it's, the medicine, it's medicine that works, at least for me. And I think there's power in specificity because, you know, it has you, it has you get closer and really, you know, it has you take a 360-degree look at what you're grateful for. You don't just skate over. I, lo- I love, I'm so grateful I have a house. Yeah, Why? Um, I have a great, I'm so grateful that I have a house to host family in because I feel more, I feel, I feel closer to them. I'm grateful for the warmth because it makes me aware that there are so many people in my community who are not warm tonight. And that reminds me, I better make a phone call about where I'm going to volunteer this, this, uh, Christmas holiday. You know, last night I'm snuggled in bed with my, my kid, my nine year old boy. And I said, you know what? Usually we do a little Q&A. I said, tonight let's do five gratefuls. And he said, oh, I'm grateful that you're snuggly. (laughs) And I said, why are you grateful that I'm snuggly? And he said, it just makes me feel loved. And I thought, yeah, there's the power of specificity. Um, So I think specific gratitude is a stride towards being more conscious. And then you said, Danielle, in terms of looking at the year in review, that in addition to looking at what we're grateful for, that it can be helpful to look at what disappointed us or what didn't work, or I'm not, I can't remember the exact language you use. So how is... Full on dissatisfaction, it sucked, this has got to change. Okay, so now I'm with you completely. So uh, (laughs) I'm sure that our listeners too can imagine being able to say a lot about the year that just went by that we are dissatisfied with. How is that going to help? I've been chewing on that stuff all year. How's that going to help me? Oh, oh, because this is the darkness is part of wholeness because it's there anyway. It's the, is as my mother would say, it's the turd in the punch bowl that somebody needs to address and, and to not address it is to, is to take the sleepy pill and not be fully awake about your life. And if you're not fully awake about the darkness that's in your life and the negative stuff that's in your life, then you can't really set out to create more of, of the lightness. The only, the only container, the only request that I offer in terms of the, the process of going through every area and looking at what you're dissatisfied with is to not go too far with it. So I say, I, it could be this simple. Uh, list five things that you're grateful for in every area of your life, but list only two and a half things that you're dissatisfied with in your life. And that is not to encourage just a little bit of denial. That is to encourage the practice of restraint around bitching and complaining. 
because that is an act of mindfulness. I see it, but I, you know, I see the darkness, I'm going to choose the light. I see what didn't work, I'm going to choose gratitude instead. So we want to address it, and we don't want to give it too much energy. Okay, so how do I address it, though? I see this list of all of the things that I have been dissatisfied with in the past year. Yeah. What am I going to do with that? Maybe nothing. The first thing you're going to do is to not worry about solutions for what sucked or for what is sucking. Because that... Um, this is what happens. You know, someone's in a crap relationship. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to solve it. Are they going to have to leave? Is she going to change? Is he going to change? Am I going to have to change? Who's going to get the couch? And so they never fully admit to how painful the situation is. Just admit to the pain. Admit to what isn't working. Admit to the dissatisfaction. That in and of itself is going to loosen things. It'll bring some solutions up. It will empower you to, like, choose some positivity. Um, And when you look at those things, um, you might just decide you're okay with them, nothing needs changing, or you'll feel some buoyancy, and you're going to set out to make some changes for that coming year. And those changes are going to directly relate to your core desired feelings. So relationship is sucking. Um, it's I feel constricted. I feel powerless. The list could go on. But my core desired feelings tell me that I want to feel connected and I want to feel adoring, et cetera, et cetera. What am I going to do to do that this year within that relationship? So I map out what I'm going to do in the new year based on actions that will help bring about my core desired feelings. And everything's going well until, you know, the second week of January, the third week in January, the fourth, how, how long, do, how long will it take? As well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, of, all of it. And I still have my post-it with my core desired feelings, and I look at them, and I think, yeah, okay, but I feel so far away from those feelings right now. I, I had all these actions. It's not, what's going to happen then? You're going you're gonna, to, quote, do the work or you're not. Just like you're going to go to the gym or you're not. I mean, are you committed or are you not to feeling the way that you want to feel? Um, my guidance is that this can be small, micro, tiny, just one thing you can do a day to feel your core desired feelings. Like, a, you know, a great example is, you know, for myself, I want to feel the divine feminine. I want to feel Shakti. The simple choice of that day could be, I'm going to wear a skirt today and put up my hair instead of yoga pants and a ponytail. That's it. I feel better, feel sexier, feel more girly. That's it. And that may help me make a bigger decision. I'm going to read, actually this was on my list one year, of, okay, what am I going to do this week to generate femininity? I'm going to read one chapter of Women Who Run With the Wolves every week for a month. That was it. Very simple act. That opens up so much, gives me so much more power to deepen into that. So small things, micro things, to feel the way you most want to feel.
You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive two free gifts just for visiting us. Just go to soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. That's soundstrue.com backslash free gifts. And now, back to Insights at the Edge. There's a chapter in the book that's on resistance. And you could say that what we're talking about is what do we do when when resistance to our core desired feelings comes up. And you have this phrase that you use that we need to, quote unquote, ride it out. And I'd love to know more about that. What does that mean? Well, my learning around resistance, and you know, in the book, I, 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 I interview an athletic coach who literally addresses the, everybody signs up for the gym in January and doesn't go three weeks later because the resistance comes up. And the theory that I'm leaning on here is that resistance is, you know, on a cellular level, your cells are starting to push back. It's saying, they're saying to you, oh, whoa, 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 something's different, new information, new behavior, this has changed, you're asking me to reconfigure, so I'm going to resist, I'm going to push back, because I like being this shape, I like being this vibration. And the beauty of that pushback, that resistance, which you know, most of us, we all experience psychologically, is that it's showing you that actually something's happening underneath. A signal is getting through that there's change coming down the pike. Your actions are being felt. So it's actually a great thing. It's something to be celebrated. And when you can have that perspective, that attitude, like, whoa, okay, resistance happening, change, celebrate, I'm going to be, this is a sign, um, then you can ride it out and push on through. So I'm not talking about dampening, um, tamping down your your instincts. I'm not talking about suffering. Um, I'm talking about celebrating the, a different kind of intensity and, and getting to the other side of that. Now, interestingly, Danielle, in this conversation, a couple times you've used a construction in answering my questions, which is something like, my guidance is, or my guidance tells me. And I'd I'd be curious to know more about your guidance and how you receive it, and do you invoke it, and sort of how that works for you. Well, the reason I, I, I give that context is because, you know, this is just, this is just my information and my experience. I never want to say, these are the 10 steps and these are the things you have to do and this is what works. I was going to say, like, look, this is just an idea that I've had and I wrote it out and I spoke it out and it works for me personally in a profound way and it's working for lots of other people. So take what you want and leave the rest. And if this doesn't work with you, I'm going to be the last person that says this is the only way to fulfillment. So that's, that's that's where that tone comes from. Now, you know, the other side of that, to answer that, is where does my guidance come from? My guidance comes from experience. <laughs> so while I'm like, I'm out there and I am like new ager than most new agers, 
I'm so new agey, I'm practical. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like I come full circle for myself. It's like, does this work? Does this does this flavor, does this practice of what could be labeled spiritual actually work? Do I feel better at the end of the day? Do I feel the way I want to feel at the end of the day? And there's lots of things that get attached to that, to my core desired feelings. Like, you know, for me to feel in communion and divinely feminine and creation, I need to be of service. And that's just the way I'm wired. That's five planets in Virgo. Like I'm not in service. It's a dark day for me. Um, And my guidance comes from my girlfriends. I would be in a loony bin without the community of my chicks to talk about all of life. And, you know, back to my definition of holistic, that which works. You know, so for me, (laughs) holistic includes uh, core desired feelings, and deep contemplation and awesome shoes and a green smoothie and sometimes a Marlboro light. Um, It's all of it. Now there's this quote from the book where you say, my desire is my prayer. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean by that? Uh, I believe that when I... When I declare my desire, when I extend the wish, I believe that I'm heard. I think I'm heard by multiple sources, actually. I think I hear me, and that's really important, that my psyche hears me. So when I say, I desire to feel free, I really declare that and own that. I think my synapses are going to start firing in a different way because of that declaration. I think I'm going to start thinking differently. I think I'm going to come up with ideas of things I can do or ways I can be that are going to make me feel free. And I also feel that God hears me. My God. The, co- the cosmic intelligence. Somehow that declared desire, that wish, that dream, um, it lands on the cosmic radar. And it's a prayer. And, then it, and the cosmos is going to help make good on that for me. They're going to help me... Uh, um, realize that desire. Now, Danielle, I'm imagining someone listening who says, you know, this sounds good, but when I start checking into what my desires are, they might be things that sound contradictory. Maybe I'm not getting deep enough. Maybe I don't know how to really identify my desires. For example, I desire to be thinner, but I also desire lots of chocolate cake. I'm just picking something absurd to make yeah, my point. Yeah, it's actually a great example, yep. You know, we could say, I, you know, I, I desire a deeper relationship with my partner, and I also desire sex with my best friend's partner. I mean, I, you yeah, know, I yeah, mean, another good one. Yeah, like, what's going on here? How is my desire going to be my prayer? I feel all screwed up trying to identify my <laughs> okay. desires here. Okay, so what you've listed off, let's say that the um, more sex and cake, <laughs> hands up for That's that. Just the first two things that um, happen to occur to me. <laughs> or sex while eating cake. Um, let's just call those things, okay? Those, so those are, those are experiences. Those are havings. It's very different than, than feelings. What I'm on here about is core desired feelings. Uh, let me use the food one as a great example. So I was having a conversation with Janine Roth. 
<laughs> who knows more about desire and food than Janine? And she put this exact question to me. How is desire mapping going to help my, you know, psychologically abused, French fry addicted woman in my workshop? And to which I responded is, I'm actually getting lots of email from people who are saying, I realized my core desired feeling was energized. And now when I sit down and eat, I ask myself if that extra helping is going to make me feel energized. I mean, the French fry example specifically came up. I was going to order fries, and I knew that if that went down in my body, I was not going to feel energized. So I ordered something else. So it does affect affect those literal health choices. And relationship is about the feeling. And maybe you do want to sleep with your partner, your, your friend's friend or whatever. And is that going to make you feel, is that going to fulfill the core desired feeling? Is that really about the core desired feeling? Or is that some surface thing? Is that some some fleeting craving? So if what you want is communion, is that going to fracture the communion that you already have with your committed partner? Then the answer with sleeping with someone outside of the committed relationship is a no even if the craving might be there. It's not fulfilling your core desired feeling. So it seems that some of what you're advocating here is if we're going to identify our core desired feelings, not to mix them up with other sort of wants that we, you know, because I think when most people hear the word desire, they do hear things like, you know, cake and sex with a partner who's outside of the committed relationship, things like that. And here you're saying, you know, my desire is my prayer. Uh, but you're you're really dropping people into a deeper level of desire. Do you think that's fair to say? Yes, that's fair to say. That's it. This is, um, this is the depth. This is why it's called, you know, the reference is your core desired feelings. It's not, you know, as the Buddha, this isn't about the hungry ghost as the Buddhists call it, that those needs that can never be filled. Um, although I will say, <laughs> I, I think at the beginning of this journey, some, it might not matter where some of your desired feelings are coming from. Like, let me, let me be really specific about this. Um, Let's keep going with the feeling of connection. Maybe you long to feel connected. Maybe it is a, a truly a core desired feeling because you had parents that didn't pay attention to you in, during childhood. So you want it more than anything. So what I've seen happen with people who desire map is they go, but you know, that desire is coming from this needy place. It's coming from a wounded place. To which I say, who cares? It's what's up. It's been up for a long time. It doesn't matter if it's coming from a wound. It's still very much alive and very deep in your being, and it's repetitive, and it's not going to let you go. So why don't you just declare a connection as one of your core desired feelings, and then go and do whatever it takes to generate that feeling of connection, whether it's you know a new partnership or a thank you note or a new religion. What's it going to take for you to feel that way? And I think as we... Um, so we generate those positive feelings 
we make healthier and healthier choices. The way that we go about getting our needs met, our, our feelings fulfilled, gets healthier and healthier. Have you ever found in your experience that in working with your core desires, that your core desires ever bumped up against someone else's and it was like, wow, we have conflicting desires here. I'm imagining things, uh, uh, you know, in my business, for example, where me and somebody else, we may just have conflicting core desires. So we're both like, we're both living true to our core desires and they're not matching up here. Yeah, that's life. There's nothing, we're go- It's we're going to be bumpy. It, we're going to be incongruous. Um, and we will make our choices, make our choices accordingly. It's, 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 hey, I want a vacation where it's hot. I want a vacation where it's cold because those vacationing choices are true to my desired feelings. Great. I have two vacations or three vacations a year. Um, I think that committing to generating how you want to feel um, means that there's going to be some conflict, it's guaranteed, and there will be some guilt. Guilt comes with being more conscious. It's part of committing to a dream. You will, you will feel, you know, you're committed to feeling creative, and you're going to write your book this year. And that means that you need to get a babysitter for your kids so you can go to the cafe and write. Guaranteed you're going to feel guilty. Does that mean you don't go after the feeling of of creativity? No. That's part of it. Um, you want to feel awake, free, alive, whatever it is? You're going to leave relationships. You will You will move on from the person who gave you your first big break. You will disappoint people. Guaranteed. You will disappoint people as you evolve because it's the, na- it's the nature of evolution. <laughs> and not everybody's going to come with you. Some people are going to have the audacity to say that you are selfish for following your dream and, and making good on the promise of your core desired feelings. And that's the way it goes. So are you going to choose to constrict, um, to please them, or are you going to choose to expand and feed your soul? And I think, you know, the choice of expansion and nurturing your soul in that way uh, is definitely way better for you in the long run, but it actually is, is in, my, in my way of living, a, a way of being of service to more people. That's beautiful. You know, I'm imagining someone who's been listening to our conversation now who's reached a place where they're starting to identify something in their life that's really going to need to change in order for them to live in more alignment with their core desired feeling. Like, you know, this thing's really going to have to change, whether it's a job or a relationship or their living situation or whatever. And they're, they're hearing you. It would even be more of service to expand and to make that change. But some part of them is like, but I don't know if I'm really going to do it or not. Like in this moment, listening to Danielle, I'm certainly contemplating it. But once this conversation's over, am I really going to do it? I don't really know. What would you say to that person? You going to wake up or not? That's it. This is a choice. 
This is choose to choose to expand or choose to constrict. It's your choice. Um, do you want to like just look at the cake or do you want to eat the cake? Because it's there to be eaten. Are you going to? How much longer do you want to be half asleep? Do you want a good life or do you want a fucking awesome life? These are choices. So you're, yours to make. Yours to make. I incur. I I I. Please, you know, just as a fellow human, <laughs> as a soul on the planet right now, I want to say, choose life, choose the cake, choose the cake, man, choose the core desired feeling, say yes to your soul. It's so much better over here. And it's a work in progress and you're going to slip off and, um, yeah, choose, choose life. Now, Danielle, I want to ask you what I think is is kind of a difficult question, which is throughout. Is, is this, is this, this is this my this, this is this is the toughy question that I want to throw out to you. Okay, I'm gonna have a sip of tea yeah. and then take a deep breath. All right, yeah, okay. bring it on. So, in the Desire Map book, several times, in talking about core desired feelings, and in talking about the desire mapping process, you refer to that feeling good is our primary intention. That feeling good is the primary intention. And I started really reflecting on this, and I thought to myself, is feeling good underneath what I am really focused on as a person? Is my primary intention to feel good? I'm not sure. And I started thinking, I wonder if that is true for all people. Is feeling good underneath whatever words, I mean, you've shared with us some of your words for your core desired feelings, what, what some of those are. But is that really what's underneath everybody's human experience? Is that what constellates all of our lives, is this primary intention to feel good? Well, you get to define what feeling good is for you. And then we get to all judge it. <laughs> so, you know, um, feeling good for you could be hostility. Feeling good for you could be a monastic lifestyle. Well, feeling good can be hostility. I think we might be on the right track here. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not here to say, like, what good is. I'm here to say you get to define, and it's driving you. The desire to feel good is driving you in some capacity. Uh, I think to, like, a huge degree. So, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't, you know, I was just actually listening to a conversation with you and um, Almas, and, you know, he was talking about just being in the state that you're in right now and not saying, like, hey, I'm feeling miserable, but I'm not supposed to be feeling miserable. And I'm with that. I 100% sign up for that theory. But I'm 100% down with the theory that we have a gravitational pull to wanting to feel good. And my belief is that, you know, I'm with 50% of the Buddhists, because 50% disagree with me on this, that your true nature is joy. So if you, if you give me a, like a hardcore Buddhist or a Lama, I'm like, come here, I have a question for you. <laughs> Just, it's a yes or a no. This is a yes or no question. Is our true nature joy? <laughs> and they go, yeah. I go, I knew it. <laughs> So for me to be, if I'm being really me, I'm going to be in a state of joy. I'm going to be feeling good. So it's a roundabout way of saying 
uh, yeah, I'm going to stand by that one. I think um, for many, many of us, the primary intention of being here is to return to our true nature, which is joy. Warm, luminous, and friendly. It's good. What are the questions that you're asking, if there are any, about the desire mapping process? Well, because I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be an artist, um, or an artist who's entrepreneurially oriented, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I go, oh, is this a flash in the pen? I mean, I think of it from a creative standpoint. I'm interested in this like as a like a cultural conversation. Is this going to last? Does this have legs? Is this like the next seven steps that just is like good for a couple of years? So I'm very intrigued with that. And I'm not frightened of not lasting. Um, yeah, I like lots of creativity. So, But that's, that's up for me um, in terms of a career. I am, I'm really interested in one of the questions you asked earlier about core desires bumping up against each other, specifically in terms of romantic relationship. And beside that question, I'm really, like, I'm, I can see myself really gravitating towards that. Like, how does this work for couples in romantic relationship to really rock? Like, either find, harmony is not one of my favorite words, but just find, let's, I like fulfillment. Let's go with fulfillment to just really create fulfillment in relationship. Because I, I think this is this is like a truth poker is what core desire feelings can do for people. And I am here I am hearing some great stories about couples of you know, I sat down on the couch with my husband and we had never in twelve years of being in relationship talked about how we wanted to feel. And he had no idea that I wanted to feel adored. And he said, oh, I can do that. I know how to make you feel adored. And I had no idea that he wanted to feel respected. And I spent the, you know, the whole weekend telling him how much I respect him. <laughs> like, well, it actually is easy. It, it's helping people support people in, in their journey to fulfillment. It's like, you know, my whole team, of course, we do this, right? So I can say to my, there's, there's one, one of the women on my team, one of her core desired feelings is brave. I can help with that. I can, I, can, I can spur you. I can support you. I can be compassionate. I can be pushy. I can do lots of things to support you fulfilling bravery in your life. I'm so glad I know that about you now. As you were talking, what I was imagining is, yes, I could share my desire map in general with my partner, but I could also just talk about what my core desired feelings might be specifically in the relationship, and that that would be an interesting practice to do with one's partner. Yeah. Now, I think your desired feelings in your relationship are going to carry over. And I, you know, plus, you know, I like things neat. I'm pretty tidy. So I would say, whoa, that kind of makes me nervous. Like, don't come up with one set for the rest of your life and then one set of core desired feelings for your relationship. That could get, like, unwieldy. But, hey, if that works for you, get unwieldy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could, I think you could just really go deep and far if 
your core desired feelings were at the center of your relationship. I mean, I almost feel shy saying that. And that shyness comes from that same place of like, I ain't no guru. And this is just stuff that I've been learning along the way that might be useful or not. Um, but yeah, I'll go out on the limb and say, core desired feelings central to your relationship? Mm-hmm. Hot stuff. Now, you talked about how you could support somebody in your organization with her core desired feeling of bravery. Talk a little bit about the power of desire mapping with other people or in a group, how we can support each other in this. Oh, magic, because there's that affinity and that permission. This is a big thing, right? Permission for people is, you want to feel passionate too? Oh my God, I want to feel passionate. Or... You want to feel passionate, but your life is, you're thinking blah and drab, drab and flat. Oh, I think my life is flat too. And, and dare I desire to feel a way that I've never felt before in my life? Oh, my God. I mean, that's some breakthrough stuff for some people. Of um, I want to feel a sense of beauty about my being and my life. I've never felt beautiful my whole life. How could I be so audacious as to make that my, you know, a central spiritual ambition? Well, we're all in it together now, and we're going to support you to do that and show you how beautiful you are and help you feel more beautiful. You know, um, and then there's the magic of accountability. Actually, it's not that magic. It's just psych 101. <laughs> when you know, you, you make a public declaration that I am committed to feeling this. Your buddies are going to say, you know, you've been talking about feeling courageous. And did you want to feel courageous? And why are you still in that job? Yeah. Why are you staying? Because I thought one of your core desired feelings was courageous. And you'd be like, yeah, got me. I give my notice on Monday. Finally, Danielle, I have one last question for you. Our program's called Insights at the Edge, and I'm always curious to know what people's personal edge is, and in your case, what your edge might be in relationship to living the desire map in your life, living your core desired feelings. What would you say is the edge of that for you, where you're really working it right now? The edge, and I get to define edge any way I want, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay, I got it. For me, it's about in communion and the edginess. Oh, see, I get my palms. I just got a little. My palms got a little sweaty there. This has been a struggle for a long time, or a, a, a journey. I used to think that I should force. <laughs> I can't even say the word. I should force connection with some people. That you know, if I wasn't feeling connected to them, there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't being loving enough, compassionate enough, like evolved enough, spiritual enough. And I'm like kind of done with that. In fact, I'll just say it now since we're recording. I'm done with that forcing communion. And um, so where that, why that makes my palms sweat is because when you, when you're, when you, for me, living from that place of if I'm not in communion, if I don't feel that sense of resonance or familiarity or if we're looking through the same lens, then I'm a no. And there's judgment that comes with that from people. You're a no? 
but he just shook his hand. I go, I didn't feel it. That's all I need to know. Uh, <laughs> or that's a great opportunity. There's money there. There's blah, 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 blah. I go, yeah, I don't feel the communion. You know, he, no, I'm a no. Uh, and that's hard. That's hard to say no to shiny things. Because I am, I know that I'm a loving being, and I so want to merge with with people. I so want connection. It's hard to not force. Um, it's, it's hard not. It's hard to take off my rose-colored glasses sometimes. And say this could work. It could be awesome. I go. Oh, I'm actually not feeling it. So that's my edge. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And I guess I am going to just ask one final, final, yeah, final, final, keep it going. which is if you could just, I'm going to ask a favor now, which is if you'd be willing to leave our listeners with some type of desire map blessing here. Oh, yes. Ah, great one. Um, you are worthy of your desires. Your desires are always right. There is there is a rightness and a truth to every desire that springs into your being, and it's there to be. It's there to be seen. So, the wish is for you to to not just see, but to fully honor every desire, and to devote yourself to the desires that will move you into your fullness with absolute grace. I've been speaking with Danielle Laporte. She's the author of a new book called The Desire Map, A Guide to Creating Goals with Soul. She's also created a new six-session audio learning course that takes you through the whole desire mapping process. It's called The Desire Map Experience, as well as an audio program on how to live with your core desired feelings each day of your life called the Desire Map Daily. Danielle, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Oh, deepest bow. Thank you and thank you everybody who's listening and all love. Soundstreet.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.